0: Hello and welcome to Kaleidoscope, a podcast series from the Science AAA's Custom Publishing Office, brought to you by AppCam, in which we will explore stories of scientific encounters that lead to incredible outcomes. My name is Sean Sanders. There is a proverb that states, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Although popular culture likes to venerate the lone scientists making the improbable breakthrough discovery, This doesn't reflect the true nature of the scientific endeavor today. Rather than being built by solitary scientists working late into the night, science is a highly collaborative enterprise that depends on cooperation and teamwork for mutual benefit. In this series, we're exploring how connections within the community, whether serendipitous or intentional, drive understanding and progress to new heights how the journey to a new discovery can be as exciting and inspiring as the discovery itself, and how the personal stories and passions of the scientists create a vibrant community that makes progress happen. For this episode, we're changing things up a bit, and I'll be speaking with no less than three guests, all of whom know each other through their involvement with the Human Biomolecular Atlas Program, otherwise known as HubMap. They are Dr. Kathy Borner, professor of information science and founding director of the cyber infrastructure for network science center at Indiana University. Dr. John Hickey, a postdoctoral fellow at Stanford University and Dr. Andrea Ratke, associate scientist at the U.S. National Institutes of Health. A brief note that Andrea is participating in this podcast in her official capacity as a federal employee of the U.S. government. Her comments reflect her own opinions and not those of NIH. So welcome, all three of you. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having us. I'm very happy to collide with you.
2: Yes, thanks for letting us come on and the opportunity to talk about this.
3: It's a great pleasure. Thank you, Sean. And thank you all. Really looking forward to this.
0: Now, as I mentioned, all three of you worked together and collaborated on the HubMap project. What have been your personal experiences interacting with so many other researchers in such a large consortium. And Andrew, maybe we'll start
2: with you.
3: Great, thank you. Yeah, well, first of all, net positive. It's really been an honor to work with everyone. And truthfully, uh, Kati and John are great friends as well as many people who are not on the call. So we learn a lot of great things. You know, Certainly there's just the scientific aspects biomarkers and ontologies and so on, but learned a great deal about working in teams, working together and leading in your strengths and weaknesses, and so that's really been the joy with working with the consortium.
2: Yeah, I think one of the things that I love most about it is a lot of times science can feel a little competitive, everybody's racing towards that next great discovery, which is great to be racing. But when I first started science, I kind of imagined science as this huge collaborative effort, kind of like a moonshot initiative or the whole genome project. And this is kind of what this makes science for me being in this big consortia is Like it's it's a big team project and we're all working towards one common goal. And that's really refreshing in the way to work with people and share tools and resources.
1: HubMap is a very large project. There are 358 members across 28 founded groups as of the last counting. And of course, there are new students and postdocs and staff members and faculty onboarded all the time to the different teams. But then it's also a very interdisciplinary project. So you have single-cell researchers and pathologists and surgeons and computer scientists and data visualization experts like myself all working together. And these different teams have very different cultures. They come with very different expectations on what that project might actually be for them personally or collectively. And it's interesting to really create incentive structures that many can use to thrive. And it's also not just the researchers that have to work on this, but also the funders and policymakers, because that's what it takes to create human reference atlas at single cell level. This is a big, big undertaking. And it's not just HubMap working on it, but there are many, many different consortia now working on it.
0: So, Kati, you mentioned that there's 300 plus people working on this. What are some of the particular challenges that you encountered and how did you overcome them?
1: So some of my collaborators, they're actually surgeons. They are in the operating room every single day except Wednesday. So meetings have to happen on Wednesday. But there's also a different understanding of what it takes to create a multi-level map, right? We want a map that goes from the whole body level down to the single cell level. And along that spectrum of these many time and temporal scales, you have different experts with different expertise. And how do you best bring all of their expertise together so that they can talk efficiently together and ultimately succeed? And I think visualizations of the data that we are using and also visualizations of this hierarchical setup of the human tissue are really, really critically important to keep all the good forces aligned ultimately.
2: John? Yeah, I think an important thing that I've learned is that with so many experts, there's a lot of expertise and a lot of voices. But it really takes a champion and a couple of champions to really push things forward and really unify the group. And Kati has done this really great with not only her data visualization, but in terms of some of the initiatives that her group puts out in terms of education and engagement with the the scientific community through different machine learning challenges but this is required at all levels right within an individual project there needs to be a champion but there needs to be this larger group all working together and that's kind of what i think about when we're making these maps right it's we have all these unique individual cells that are working together each has a unique role that's making this larger group and we need to be able to look at it from these multiple perspectives but also from the different levels and uh, it takes a lot of resources and technologies and people to be able to, to do this.
0: I like that analogy. The researchers in the consortium are like the cells in the body who have to work together to create an organism that works. And so you're, you're a metaphor for the human body as well.
3: I really love that too. And I'd like to add to that as well. So not only the individual cells that have their specialized function that definitely mirrors how the working group operates, but also the deliverable about being an open and global map The consortium is open and global. The form and the function is intertwined. And so I really appreciate that. And I want to talk about one of the challenges that we have as a scientist, at least in my training, I never received formal leadership training. Instead, the emphasis is placed on independent investigator, path to independence. But we know that science is a team sport. And just as the cells of the human body have to work together, so do we. So I would just say, yeah, we got to be teams of teams. There needs to be that high level organization, but grateful for mentorship, leadership from Kadi, and then also a personal mentor of mine, Colonel Scott Jensen. So thank you. So if I
0: could stretch that analogy even further, I, I'm wondering if in a consortium like this, you need a brain, you need certain people are in the lead or is everybody working as an individual and you just find a way to work together in concert?
3: We talked about team of teams. So there's that cellular and tissue level organization. I think a brain, I mean, we have that with the NIH and the directors and the program leaders. And and we certainly want to acknowledge our higher level leadership with Richard Conroy and Serena and Ananda and many. But fully integrated, I I don't know much about the brain analogy, but shared ownership, the me becomes a we. That would be the point. Yeah, I think it's
1: actually really important to be super pragmatic about milestones and timelines because there are many, many, many dependencies. And they matter. If one team doesn't deliver, many other teams are impacted. So you really need to trust each other. You need to communicate clearly if you have a stopper and you can't deliver at a certain time so that other teams can reorganize their lives. And ultimately, it takes a grand vision to align those good forces. I would also like to add that in my environment, and I think also in the HubMap environment, I deeply enjoy that I can take on very different roles. I can come in and make major decisions because I'm ultimately here in the IU environment, hiring people and setting salaries and and many critically important items. But ultimately, I also sometimes need to be somebody who is a student and learns from John and Andrea because they know a lot of things that I was never taught, that I've never done in my life. But I need to absolutely understand how the data comes into existence that then is used to construct that atlas.
2: I'm not a neuroscientist, so I don't know if I'll adopt the the brain analogy, but I think that it is really important to have the vision that people at the NIH had of creating a roadmap for the human body and going the distance to get the resources and the funding, because I think of the funding kind of like the blood, you know, that circulates through all the organs that gives the nutrients for people to do their things, right? And... We need that to be able to do something so big, right? The individual labs are not going to tackle a whole organ system themselves necessarily and also integrate it with new technologies that are required to get to the level of detail that we need and to be able to share that across labs and standardize the terminology, the technologies. And so it's, it's really this grand vision that gives that is kind of the lifeblood that enables such a broad, ambitious goal.
0: I love where this analogy is going. We're going to, we're gonna, by the end of this conversation, we're going to have the whole human body mapped out. Me
3: too, me too. And I was thinking, who's the heart? Who's the soul? Yeah, yeah.
0: So the next question I wanted to ask you is, this is a large complex consortium. What have you been able to achieve as a result of working together in this way that might not have been possible working alone or maybe in smaller consortia?
2: I'll just mention, I think that a major, major accomplishment is anytime you get more than two scientific experts in a room and you get them to agree on something, that is a major accomplishment. And that has definitely happened here in HubApp, but on a broader scale, many dozens of experts. And you wouldn't believe the number of things you have to agree on just to lay the foundation for an initiative such as this, right?
3: Yeah, I want to expand on those points because what we couldn't do in a smaller group or without this large consortium is getting access to these tissues and the domain expertise, of course. But it's also about giving access to this aggregated domain knowledge. So what John and I have worked on with other investigators across HubMap with the tissue mapping centers is to just aggregate all that domain expertise on these newly developing technologies. So we can take these different perspectives, approaches, and also get buy-in from commercial representatives, including Abcam and many other vendor support, and create something that here's all our knowledge aggregated that's now a tool and resource for people not just within HubMap, but outside of HubMap. And that, I think, is, for me and for all the people on the call, really, I think the greatest joy, that we're not moving into competitor mode, but collaborative and being community-minded. Again, we're better together, and I love that about consortium work.
1: So HubMap really is a socio-technical ecosystem, and we have to succeed not just on the technical side, but also on the social side. And sometimes these two are non-trivial don't even know which one is harder, actually. Maybe they're both equally uh, (laughs) interesting. But it is really interesting how to facilitate the scale up because it's really how to combine good forces to accomplish something that nobody else, no team alone could do. And it will take a village to build that atlas. And it's really bigger than HubMap. It's also the Human Cell Atlas and many, many other consortia. I think we now have 17 consortia contributing to the Human Reference Atlas effort and It has to be this way because we don't just want one school of thought to agree, but we want also researchers and scientists in Asia, in Europe, and in other places to agree on this new way to map the human body across scales.
0: That brings me perfectly to my next question, which is, what are some of the challenges of working across cultures and across languages and across time zones? I mean, it must be really complicated to do all of this. How do you coordinate all of this and, and how do you speak to all of these people so that you can get them all on board and, and going in the same direction?
1: It's also an opportunity, right? Because you can have a team in the US, start work, work for eight hours, send it off to New Zealand. They work for their eight hours and they send it off to the UK, for instance, or Germany for that matter. And then they send it off back to here. So now you have A perfectly sped up system that can deliver a lot in very little time, at least in terms of phase.
3: I was going to say, I do love the relay. You know, it's definitely like hand off the baton, see you to the Germans, go for it, see you. You know, we do that all the time. And so I guess if silly enough, it is, you are working in shifts, which is a joy. But then when you do have to find a meeting across those nine time zones, you know, we got to find a time for John in California to connect with Christopher in Hanover.
2: On the West Coast, you get used to very early meetings in the morning.
3: And I would add one time you were even on your bike in a meeting. Sorry, you get creative about making the meetings, including on transportation.
2: That's great.
0: I'm interested to know if being part of this consortium for any of you has changed the way that you think about partnerships, developing relationships, building a scientific community in order to do research. John, maybe I'll come to you first with that.
2: I think that it's really amazing, this initiative, because it puts a a, a pot of money and a pot of people together that normally wouldn't necessarily talk to each other. And and this is how I met, actually, Kari and Andrea. I think it helps broaden my horizons too, right? Because I'm a technology person, but other people are data visualization, and I hear their perspectives and see these, and that changes how I think about my own science as well. And so I think that having a global perspective not only helps the tools and the data that we're providing be better, but it also helps me as a scientist to think more broadly and have a better vision of what the science I can provide is.
3: A lot of little lessons here that we learned along the way, but just an appreciation that groups are dynamic. A group is like an organism, you know, it's growing, it's evolving, and there's stages of growth and development. And so you know, it takes time to go from formation to performance. And so when you bring awareness to where your group is and the group development, it's it's liberating. And I'd also just emphasize the importance of good naturedness, like not only your partnership, but who you partner with, like just this culture of positivity that it just is present in the hub map. I really, really love that. And one little plug too, is just, you know, that it's a the openness of the hubmap, but also being in the business of opening doors. You know, you see the senior leaders opening doors for junior investigators or mid-career investigators, women and men like leaders leading others. And so, I really love that it's about building bridges and opening doors. Want to take that culture that's already created in hubmap and bring that to other organizations. And Kadi is really good at opening doors and building bridges.
1: So it's very important to listen well and to talk a lot and to use all the means we have to make sure that the good forces align and some of the things that you might not like to see which do come up because we are all human beings with our own flaws, that those yeah taken under control because it just isn't helpful right now.
0: It sounds to me like there's actually quite a lot of social science and psychology in making these types of consortia work well.
3: Yes. Agreed. <laughs> agreed. Right, John?
2: I think it's more organic with what has happened at, at HubMap from my experience. You know, there were teams in getting involved and there was some foresight. OK, you're going to work on this organ. You're going to be a technology person. You're going to be in the hype. But partnerships with people and across groups has really risen organically where interests, common interest is around or a common goal or solution that needs to be tackled. and yeah I think that these are the best kind that arise organically. They're not forced in the social science, you know, you figure out the the differences or or commonalities, right? I don't know that's been my experience,
3: yeah. And I would just add that most of our communication is through email or comments. You know, it's there's no body language. There's no tone of voice. So we need to be, you know, we're mindful that if you only have email or, static communication, because it's all virtual, that you need to make an effort to encourage your teammates. And when you encourage your teammates, you're really literally, you're appreciating them, which raises their value. And then people are more inclined or excited about the opportunity to work together. So just creating a culture of praise. I think praise and constructive
1: criticism, right? Because sometimes they are new to the team and they didn't realize something else was going on. And that's why that one person couldn't get them this particular piece of information or data or code or whatever it was. So I think just helping each other understand why certain things work and why other things can't work is really, really important in addition to
2: praise. I was just going to talk about strategic partnerships again, because what I've also learned at through this consortium initiative is it's very easy for all of your time to get quickly sucked away by a million different initiatives. And so it's very important for me to think about what is it that I offer to the team that no one else can provide. While my expertise is great, there are many other people who could also probably replace me on the team. And it's not necessary for me to be in every single meeting or every single group. And there's a little bit of that strategicness of my thinking now when there are asks for my time or or input. I think that this is an important thing about partnerships.
0: The last question I wanted to ask you is about the how has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted the way in which scientists within the consortium have interacted and what was learned.
2: Yeah, I'll just say something really quick. And there's this antibody working group where we're trying to standardize how we're using antibodies to characterize single cells and and proteins found on single cells. And when I joined this, I, I wasn't expecting corporate involvement. But that was something I think that Zoom enabled. And being in this technology that enables participation from whoever, wherever was fantastic. And being able to meet online helps push these broader initiatives forward faster now, because people in these larger working groups are more okay with being on these Zoom calls. So maybe we we got more efficient or it was just more okay for people to be involved. But yeah, I think that that impacted how we worked together during the pandemic, yeah. Wonderful. Well,
0: thank you all so much for being a part of this conversation. I really appreciate it. You've all given me a lot to think about and I, I hope that you have challenged our audience to
2: look at doing things in different ways
3: really nice to talk thank you
2: yeah it's been a pleasure it's such a fun conversation
3: thank you all really yes again second very very pleasurable thank you for a wonderful conversation
0: our thanks to Appcam for supporting this podcast AppCAM believes that progress happens together through the creation of a connected and supportive scientific community to learn more about how you can progress with abcam go to abcam.me together i'm sean
1: sanders thank you for listening